Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Down the block, Andrew Gunn. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Let's get to the let's get to the meat. Let's get to the best stuff. Penrith Panthers absolutely dominate the para eels first of all welcome guru how are you feeling yeah good mate huge day yesterday out there at the grand final what a community incredible thank you so much to everyone that turned up it it blows my mind when we shake people's hands and you guys say thank you to us i'm like bro thank you mm. fuck i should be thanking every one of you personally uh incredible day incredible day especially like the weather i just couldn't have got burnt. i was sitting there all week <sighs> no. and it's going to be pissing with rain. It's going to be awful. We couldn't have got a better day for it. So lucky. See, God must like the bloke community. <laughs> he must. Timmy, how are you going, brother? Good, mate. Yeah, still, uh, I think, mentally recovering after a big afternoon at uh, the live show yesterday. I'm still in my, my same kit I wore to that one. So I've, <laughs> I've really yeah, yeah, been busy since then. But I uh, spent, the, spent the night at Penrith Leagues Club partying with Roycey Simmons. So I had breakfast there this morning. No, I didn't really. But uh, excited to get stuck into this one and recap a pretty... It was a one-sided grand final, boys, and, you know, a bit disappointing in that regard. But at the same time, we are witnessing some, a bit of footballing genius in that game last night. So very appreciative of that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a really interesting one because, like, going mm-hmm. into the game, obviously I tipped Penrith. I just thought they'd be too good. But I wanted Pen- uh, Pen- uh, the Eels to win just because of the 36, 7-year or whatever it is. Drought, and, and, and we always love the underdog or whatever. But honestly, like, probably 20 minutes into the game, I was like... No, this Penrith team deserves a back-to-back. Like, it would be a travesty for a team of this quality not to get a back-to-back, not to go down in the history books, in my opinion, at least of the modern era, that team would take it to any team. I challenge anyone to name their best 1-17 to that's been in a grand final, and I reckon that Penny Panthers, it's a 50-50 coin flip as to whether they'd beat them. That's how good that side is. And it's pretty incredible because they're still a relatively young side. Um, Guru, tell me what you thought about the match. Well, mate, they're not relatively young. They're young. I know. It's like, it is. It's crazy. The, the more that you look at that side and you think about what they've achieved, it's insane. And, you know, we all love a good underdog story, as do I. But, you know, selfishly, I love a dynasty and a system mm. was able to put it together. And I don't know if we are at the point where we call Penrith a dynasty, 
personally, I think they probably have to win one more to go into <coughs> that sort of realm. But uh, to, to live through and see a team start from the absolute bottom, not the absolute bottom, but start, you know, putting this squad together and then all of a sudden now they're on the same level of those 90s Broncos, the Melbourne Storm during the 2010s. I Like, you almost feel honoured to be able to watch it. Oh, mate, 100%. Up. Like, it's been unbelievable. And you, you know, you look now and you think about those teams that did those things. You know, their halves were 27, 28, 30. Yeah. Halves are 24. Uh, it's bizarre. It's absolutely incredible. Timmy, what did you think about the game, mate? Yeah, look, I was I was cheering for the Parramatta Eels. I just for the same reason a lot of people, the underdogs, you know, you, you see a team succeed for a number of years, you get over them, you want mm. to change a scene. So I was going for Parramatta. Uh, but then the silver lining to Penrith getting out was that the Raiders aren't don't have the longest premiership dream. <laughs> so look, I was very happy about that one. And look, I've heard a lot of people saying you know, that was a bit embarrassing from Parramatta in a grand final and disappointing they didn't show up. They were just outplayed by, as you said, Kempi, one of the best football teams I've ever seen. And they weren't given a chance in this game. And it, I don't think it was because they didn't show up. Mm. It was just because Penrith <coughs> were too good. And they, you've got to give the credit where it's due because holy shit. Oh, yeah. Honestly, I, I, th- I don't even think the Parriels played that poorly. I really don't. It, it was as close to a perfect game from mm. the Panthers. Put it this way. You take out that last 10 minutes... It's almost an like perfect game from the Panthers. And I like look, I understand that okay, their completion rate was ended up being about eighty six percent, I think. Oh. And so which is incredible for a grand final and, and the taking of risk. And yeah, the Parrot Eels got a bit more um, devil like just carefree towards the end. Let's just throw it around. But that first half was almost perfect from the Penrith Panthers. Like I that first half I looked at and was like, where would you what single player could you say wasn't playing at his potential? It was absolutely incredible. So anyone that thinks that the Parry Eels, um, you know, like didn't turn up, I totally disagree. They went up against 17 players that, are, unfortunately, across the board, just are better. Like, and, and they may, eventually the Eels may get to that or they may not. But unfortunately, 1 to 17, the Eels were just better. There's probably, there's not a single position that I think the Eels didn't outplay, the Panthers didn't outplay the Eels. Yeah, like I, I was thinking, oh, I haven't written it down yet, but I was thinking about a team of the week and I couldn't, I like respectfully to Parramatta, I don't think they played poorly, but I couldn't find it. Maybe Madison, 13. maybe Madison. Maybe. But Isaiah, yeah. You know, <laughs> like, so. I, yeah, it's it's incredible. Like you're uh, watching their forward pack in the first 25 minutes, it felt like they were running downhill. Mm. It was just incredible. Like something I've spoken about throughout the year is their, their sets after points. They went below 50 metres on one of them. Crazy. And, and we'll sit like, here and, and probably um, critique a lot of Parramatta players next hour or so. Let it be known that there's a little asterisk next to everything we say that it's this happened because Penrith had made it happen. 100%. Like, not because Parramatta weren't good, uh, sorry, stuffed up or whatever. It was because Penrith made it happen. Eels went into half time with 80% completion rate. Like, there, there were, the difference was, is that the Penrith Panthers were winning the contact in every single department, in attack, defence. And we'll get to the specifics a bit more later because there's one thing that I really noticed that I think the Panthers did really well, and I think the Eels, um, they, again, it wasn't an effort thing. It was just a tactical thing that I think didn't work out for them. So, I, I look, I, a lot of people might be like, oh, come on, you know, they were totally tailed up. 
If the Eels played really poorly, I would say the Eels played really poorly. I would say it. Did they play their best game ever? No, I don't think they did that either. But did they not turn up? I don't, I don't think so. I just think the Penrith Panthers put on one of the greatest, at least the greatest first 60 minutes, as one of the greatest. The only other one of dominance that I can recall from the modern era is obviously the 40 nil Manly versus Storm. Um, outside of that, like, you know, and Storm were missing, obviously, Cam Smith. Now, that doesn't mean they would have won it. Outside of that, I can't remember a grand final. Maybe Roosters Storm 2018. Was it 18, I think? Yeah, 18, yeah. But I would say this Penrith side was more dominant than the Roosters in that. And the Roosters played the best game that I've fucking seen in a long time. Yeah, and I mean, it's crazy when you look back at the last three seasons, like the first year that Penrith went all the way to the grand final. Probably their defence wasn't quite at the point you wanted it to be at. They conceded a fair whack of points in all those games. They won the comp in 21. Their defence was unbelievable. Their attack wasn't that crash hot mm. during the finals. This year, they just put them both yeah. together. And it's like we spoke about it quite a bit of like, if they can put them both together, they will be unbeatable. And it's actually interesting because Cleary in a post-match uh, press conference, or uh, like interview or whatever, he said for the last, I think it was the last few years, at the very least the last season, he said we'd never really walked off the field and said that was a complete mm. performance. He said... I think he said, at least in the first half, we walked off the field and said that was a complete performance. And he's totally right. They had attack and defense completely. Do- like at the pinnacle of rugby league, you cannot get any better than that. The pressure, the finesse, the getting to certain points, the tactical decisions, the execution, every single thing was almost a 10 out of 10. It was absolutely incredible from the Penny Panthers. As a matter of fact, right now I agree. I couldn't put them in a dynasty yet just because of the time. Like, put it this way. If I was a betting man, I'd say they're going to go on for a dynasty. But, you know, who knows what can happen. I would probably put them maybe a little bit above the manly dominance around the 2011-13, but just a little bit below the storm dominance of the last 20 years. I'd I'd hang them around there a little bit um, in regards to, like, how they'll be remembered. Like, in 10 years' time, for example, in 10 years' time, when we talk about 2000, year 2000 to 2020, it, we'll talk about the Storm. The, and then occasionally we'll bring up, there were Manly were dominant between about, what, 2007, 8 to about 2013. Right now, if they were to not win another comp, I think that's where they would kind of land. Just a bit better because obviously the back-to-back. But seriously, I, in a three-year period, I don't think we've ever seen such a dominant side, at least in the modern era. It's incredible what they've done, mate. And I was, I was just going through some maths then. Since they lost that 2020 grand final, they've conceded a grand total of 68 points in finals matches. Fuck. Mm. That's 11 points per game they've conceded in finals matches since they lost that grand final and won two in a row. So, you know, we always say it and, you know, I think we, we all remember it, but I think we kind of forget it at times. Defence wins premierships. Mm-hmm. That's, that's less than two converted tries they've conceded. <laughs> in each game of finals footy so going up against the best teams in this competition mm. who are up for it. And also, you've got to remember these teams, like they're coming against the Penrith Panthers, the benchmark of the competition. You saw what Parramatta did last night. Like, they got into the opposition strike zone and they kicked on first tackle because mm. they're trying things. Like, all these clubs are just trying different things to try and pull their pants down and they're still conceding less than 12 points. It's, it's just incredible. Absolutely incredible. One that stood out for me last night watching that game when there's a million reasons you could, you could come up with why Penrith are so dominant, why they're so good, but their discipline never ceases to amaze me in that side. I, I know mm. you spoke earlier in the year, Kempi, about how, you know, on kick returns, they get their back five to come in and run, run, run. And where other clubs will go, there'll be a prop forward or a back row wanting to get in on the action and have a run. Like, no, 
not your time. Mm. Back five, back five, back five. There were times there last night where they had scattered markers two metres off the line and someone like Brian Toto or Isaac Tungo would go to dummy half and you're just sitting there waiting for them to dart themselves and have a crack and you go, why wouldn't they? Like, no, that's not a part of the game plan. It's pass, hit Cleary who's put his kick on and they're running the show. Like, every other just about outside back with scattered markers on the line, no one can resist having a crack at that. Yeah. And that's going, nah, we've been told not to do it. Discipline, discipline, hit Cleary. Yeah, it's, it's such a good point. It's... The hardest thing in rugby league is getting 17 blokes on the same page. Mm. It really, really is because you've got guys that they think they know best or they see an opportunity and it, you know, they they want the try or whatever. No one in Panthers does that. Every single player is playing their role to a T and they don't go outside it. Like it's, they're going to do their job and it's going to be a nine to 10 out of 10. What do you got there, Matty? So I've just done some quick maths. In the last three seasons, every time the Panthers lose, they win 6.7 games. They've won 67, they've lost 10. In three years. In three years. Oh. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. And like, it hasn't been the same 17 across those three years. Think about the players they've lost during that period and the teenagers they've brought up. Yeah. I mean, we've been talking about it all season. It's just, it's unbelievable. And, you know, as you, I, I think they probably need one more to become um, a dynasty. But so what if they return next year and they win that comp without Appy and Kikau? Mm. <laughs> That is going to elevate them to a complete new level. You know what's crazy, though? The way they played last night, I think they might have won without Appy. Oh, I think they could have as well. And I didn't see a world where they could have done that before yesterday. Which is, like, insane. Insane. I cannot... Like, I, I think... I do think... Obviously, definitely they're going to miss Appy. I do think the kick out... That's going to be an interesting one to replace because he's got this – he's so unique. You cannot replicate him. He is just so unique. But they are just so incredible. It is, it's such a privilege to watch. Such a privilege to watch. In saying that with Kikau, like the way that we're talking about him now, two years ago, I never thought we'd talk about him like that. Mm. He was just the biggest guy on the field. Yeah. Now, mate, he might be the most skilled forward on the field along yep. with the biggest guy on the field. So, you know, they've got Garner and Hoskins walking in there. God knows what they could do with them. should be noted as well, like – they're losing Appy, which is going to hurt. Mitch Kenny has shown that he can do a fantastic job. He's not an 80-minute hooker, mm. but he can do a good job. If you go and watch the New South Wales Cup grand final yesterday, Sonny Luke killed it. Yeah. Absolutely brained it. That was on great like That's the biggest game he can possibly play at this point of his career. Yeah. And he brained it there. So they're – shocked me. They're not in a bad spot. And I'd argue, although Kikau was great last night, I reckon Liam Martin was probably better on the on – the, like, just specifically performance, like not overall. I thought Liam Martin was outstanding last night. It's good for Liam Martin to have a game last night that I think a lot of people look at Liam Martin because quite often you get to the end of the game and you look at his stat sheet and it's not overly impressive. Yeah. Quite often he, he like mm. you'll have games where you, I'll walk away going, fuck, Liam Martin's a tough bastard. Mm. Then I'll go and look at the stats and he's run for 40 metres. And yep. it, 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 it always sort of surprised me. It was great to see him have a game last night where probably more casuals of the game can see just how much impact he has on a yeah. game of football. And he's like, incredible. He's not going against, you know, a buster. Dylan Brown's a good defender. Now, Dylan Brown hung on for dear life and got the tackle, but that doesn't happen often where he's hanging on for dear life. Usually he chops them straight away. Yeah, um, yeah so this Penrith Panthers side, Absolutely incredible. Um, Eels, I still think they played solidly. I don't think they should be embarrassed at all. I don't think that their fans should be feel like the players should be embarrassed. They just rolled into one of the best screen final teams we've ever seen. And I reckon Penrith Panthers essentially put that score 
on any team that plays them in the grand final right now. Now, that's not comparing to other grand final teams. I'm comparing to the comp right now. Any other team I think the Penrith Panthers beat by 20. They, they, there's no other team in this competition at their best that could have beaten them last night. No way. There's just – I just I, – I even – I would even argue they had another gear in them. Like – Mm. Like if, if the game got tense I reckon they could have Ratcheted it up Even just a little bit more That's how good these guys are It's great Like when you look back Over the last three years Obviously they lost that Grand final in 2020 But I mean the reality is They've played one bad Half of football Out of six yeah. They've played in grand finals And it took an immortal To do it to them Imagine if you could put This current team Against that 2020 Storm side that, Like It'd be really interesting. I'd love to see how they would go against yeah. Cam Smith now, now that they're ready for a challenge like that. Yeah, it'd be interesting. It, it doesn't exist out there, in yeah. my opinion, now. I, 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 fuck. You just got to back the immortal, don't you? They did find a way. But this team is just, like, incredible. Incredible. But I also don't think, as crazy as it might sound, like I think if they had to play Cameron Smith next week, I don't think they'd be as worried as what any other team has ever been before. Yeah, well, they're so confident they're right now. They're just so confident. They're so confident yeah. right now. And so speaking of confidence, um, so obviously last week, the great Jerome Luai, um, he said that Parra can call him daddy. And then in his story, he's, <laughs> he's got stuff like uh, talk to me nice, hashtag daddy. He's got, um, what did he, uh, what else? What was the other one that he had? Uh, uh, daddy loves you. Um, <laughs> all this chat. And look, non Panthers fans, you know, I know a lot of you aren't going to like that, but at the end of the day, this is what footy's all about. Because I tell you what, the next time Penrith play the Eels, they are going to be absolute fireworks. And we always talk about how the cookie cutter and we don't want the same answers. Well, we're getting it. And unfortunately, sometimes you get it from places that you're not a fan of. I'm a fan of it personally. I think it's hilarious. But at the end of the day, for Jerome Loy, if you can back it up, you can talk as much as you like, and that guy backed it up. And I thought he was really good last night. I actually think it was probably one of his better games the whole season last night. So fucking fair play to him. Talk your shit, bro. Said it a couple of weeks ago. We want characters until we get them. Yeah, I know. And then we're upset about it. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm biased because I don't have a team I follow, so he's not insulting me personally ever. <laughs> uh, but maybe I'm also biased because we're in content and it's great for us. But... How could you not love having this sort of stuff? Even if you love to hate it, by all means, but it's great to have in the game. I'll put it this way. If I was playing, it would infuriate me. It would infuriate me. The, all the little things that the Penny Panthers do. But at the end of the day, we're going to battle. That's so why it would infuriate like, you more because they back it up. Yeah, they, they just back talk it up. shit and then but do it's nothing. Like, look, okay, he's talking a bit of shit. We're trying to take each other's head off. Of course he's talking a bit of smack. It's like, what is talking? Is that crossing the line, is it? Like, I... I I think it's part of the game. And, and imagine going out before a grand final and talking shit like that, knowing you've got Junior Borlo about to come and try and take your head off because you've pissed him off. Mm. Like He's doing it before the game, not after. Yeah, exactly. So he's, like, he's inviting, like, come and whack me, bro. Like, yeah. Do what you want. I don't care. And Which then is, he backs it up. It's a great point. It's a and, great point. It's before and, the game. And Jerome, Jerome Luai, I've sort of watched him very closely for a couple of years now just because so many knowledgeable rugby league heads – knock him and say, you know, he's a bit of a product in his environment that he wouldn't flourish at other clubs and he'd struggle and this and that. Now, I fully understand that he's come through <clears throat> a wonderful system at Penrith and he's in a luxurious position of being 5'8", of this relentless, one of the best teams we've ever seen. But what more has the bloke got to do? Mm. Between, you know, some decent origin performances, final <laughs> series after final series, win after win, breaking all these records as part of this Penrith club. On that left edge of Penrith, that's the dominant left edge. Nathan Cleary... He's one of the best half-packs we've ever seen. 
and the right edge don't get the ball. It's the left edge of Jerome Luai. <coughs> he was wonderful mm. last night, and, and we often talk about statistics not telling the story. Now, Dylan Edwards was incredible last night, thoroughly deserved his Churchill medal, but he had a couple of tries there which were awarded as he threw the last pass. Catch and pass, not a lot to it. Jerome Luai was the one on the inside throwing these unreal balls and creating the space and doing all the hard yards. Now, he doesn't get the tries, but... Without him, the try is not scored. Mm. Like he, he, I thought he was wonderful last night. Yep. I, I agree. And if you ever needed an example of having a good solid half to get the job done, <clears throat> look no further. Well, not good solid half, but just a half that can get his ball to his edge. Look at David Fafita. He sat out on his edge all year long, mm. unable to use his potency because he just hasn't been put in the position to use his potency. Who would you say is the most damaging back rower in the comp? It's Kikau. Who's the one feeding him the ball? It's Jerome Lloyd. He's the one putting him in that space. So, yeah, look, if you want to say, I'm not here saying Jerome Lloyd's Darren Lockyer or, you know, Freddie Fittler or whatever, but to say that he doesn't offer quality to this Penrith side, I just think it's you're more against his character than actually watching the game and also watching the role he plays perfectly in the Panthers side. Nothing annoys me more than when people take really good players and good teams and say, yeah, but they're in that team. Oh. You realise that team is good because of the players in it, right? Yeah. It's all of a sudden, <coughs> De halves have nothing to do with the form of teams. Yeah. It's crazy. Like Cooper Cronk was at Melbourne, the Roosters, yeah. Cooper Cronk was at the best teams because the best teams want the best players. Yeah. And that's like, it's the almost... Panthers a- could go out and get any fucking 5-8 they wanted. Yep. They've chosen their 5-8. He's won two prems in a row. Mm. They've got their guy. Hate him all you want. He's part of this team and what he does is incredibly important. Yeah. And also, the Penrith Panthers chose him over Matty Burton, who is fucking amazing. Oh, just at the end of the day, Jerome Lloyd, he cares about his brothers on the field, his family, and his area. So he doesn't care. He's like, you're going to hate him anyway. So he's like, I'm winning prems talking shit. Like, what are you doing? Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I've just said that I, I, I think people give him a hard time and I don't think he could have done much more. And I, and I think he's a star. That being said, I would love to see him at another club just to, just to see how good he is oh, and, and sure. how he goes into a new club. And maybe we'll see that in the future at some point. I mm. think there's probably every likelihood we will at some point. It, it'd be fascinating. Yeah, it'd be absolutely fascinating. Um, and look, on the flip side of everything we just said, though, like I understand why people talk shit because he's talking shit. So it's like, you know, and I'm, I'm sure he's he's welcoming it. He's like, all right, well, if I'm going to be the villain, I'll, fuck, I'll be the villain. Um, so it's not like, oh, it's, you can't talk shit about Jerome Luai, but it's also like, I guess when you're doing it, realise that this is what makes rugby league great. It's, it's the characters, it's the rivalries, it's the, the passion that, oh, oh man, we just want to beat these blokes. <laughs> and like, you know, as you said, he's talking, you know, he's, he's talking before the game, it's not after it or whatever. Like, mate, I watched them come out of the hotel yesterday. Who led them out of the hotel yeah, with a big fucking boombox? Jerome Lloyd. You can't like you. You can hate him for talking all you want, but he doesn't hide away no. from anything. He's no. got one of the biggest back rows in the competition next to him. Have you ever sat there and gone, "Geez, Lloyd's lucky that Kikau does all this defence for him." Yeah. Never. Never. Mm. He doesn't shy away from anything. Mm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, just it, it's it, it'll go down in folklore for the, of the the grand finals. The chat before. Call me daddy. That's so disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But it is going to add so much to their next. I think that I hope anyway. Look, to be honest, they may be too good to create a rivalry, but I'm hoping it's just reignited that Western Sydney rivalry so that for the next 10 years, we're watching these teams absolutely just destroy each other. Um, 
All right, let's get into the, the specifics of the game. Now, we'll talk about Penny Panthers first. Actually, let's talk about the Eels first because we've just sat there talking about the, the, the Panthers for quite a while. Look, this is a really tough one because the Eels were just completely smothered. Like, the, anything they tried to get working... Look, I thought Dylan Brown eventually started trying to just get something out of the game and he started running quite a bit. I think he actually ran for the second most metres just behind Gutho, Dylan Brown. So it wasn't for lack of effort. I will say one key thing that I think was a tactical error was when I was watching a lot of the, the Parrot Eels uh, attacking runs, they'd kind of get a wide pass and be running at the C and D defender. And the C and D defender is usually like two or three off the rock. So you're running more into the middle of the field. You're running into two shoulders usually. And the amount of times that Penrith Panthers would just catch them drag them back was just like nearly every tackle they're so good at catching and dragging mm. back it's it's they are the masters of it an absolute masters of just they make sure that they, they hold you up someone else comes in you go back five meters and the, all the momentum is gone whereas the Penrith Panthers they were always jamming in behind the rocks and and the difference between a C and like when you're running at a C and D it's not as a brave run as running in behind the rock because if you run in behind the rock and someone times it, you get absolutely flatlined because you've only got one direction to go. Now, if you've got a big right foot step, most big forwards don't. So, you don't, you know, big right or left foot. So if you're going in behind the rock, you're so committed to that that if they land you, you're, you're going to get shotted. But the, the and, and we saw that quite a bit of the, in the first half. We saw the Eels shot the, the Panthers, big, big hits. But they just kept jamming straight in behind the ruck. And it didn't allow the pen, uh, the Eels to get enough numbers in the tackle. And that's why the Panthers were just fine in their front constantly. Because they were just jamming in behind the ruck. Whereas the Eels, they were running at C and D defender. So they had three or four blokes ready there to, to hold and carry them back. I thought that was a real tactical error. And I would have liked to see the Eels jamming in behind the ruck a little bit more. Yeah, I thought another one, and I think it was Joey that mentioned it on the commentary. Why on earth were all their kickoffs going straight down the middle? Mm. Mm. Like, you just made it so easy for Penrith. They, you know, as you said, Penrith love to wedge in, in between your A and the markers, and they just let them go shot for shot to have either side. Like, it yep. just made life so much easier, whereas if Parramatta would have kicked to the corners. And, you know, you get so used to it because teams do it every week that you probably don't think about it, but you umbrella your defence and you keep them in that corner, whereas... Yep. They just made life easy for the Penrith Panthers. Like the yep. first, what the first time they did it off the kickoff, I sort of thought, okay, beautiful. Parramatta are making a statement; they're going to go at them. Yeah. Then they did it the second, the third, the fourth. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe they kept going back to it. And must have I, been it. Must have been a directive for, for some. Oh, it had to be, but I, I can't make any and like and yeah, like if it is a directive to go about it, that's fine. But mate, the first like the first set after points, they went 60 metres. The next one, they went 100 metres and forced a dropout. Mm. Then they went 60 the one after. Surely at some point then, <clears> someone sent down the message, hey, this probably isn't fucking working. Yeah, get us to the corners. Yeah. And so we can fucking jam up. What tactically did you see, Timmy? I think you're right in saying, yeah, that there was, around that CD defender mark, you know, maybe no man's land a bit. I sort of spoke before the game that I thought to, to combat the, the line speed defensive Penrith through the middle, to use that ball movement through Junior Borlo, through Ryan Madison, a couple other good ball playing forwards there, and just hitting those edges of Sean Lane and Isaiah Papali'i. Mm. And, and I just thought that'd be so effective. So, you know, you could have the first two tackles of the set doing that, <coughs> punching in behind the ruck, trying to get those quick play of the balls, but then just spreading it a little bit further in the C&Ds and getting your... You might not be completely isolating a half with Papali'i or Sean Lane, but even if it's a getting two defenders and a quick play of the ball, mm. 
because they're so threatening with it. And we saw in the last 15, 20 minutes when Parra finally got into the game with ball in hand a little bit, that's what they were doing. We saw Papaletti go through for the Gutho mm. try. We saw only about a set or two later, Sean Lane nearly went through as well down that edge play. Now, I know that's late in the game. There's you know 15 minutes to go and, and maybe <coughs> Penrith were getting a little bit lazy with the scoreline. But mm. I think that was, was the way they needed to play it through the two ugly informed back rolls of the competition. Yeah. Um, again, I know it's easier said than done with that Penrith lineup, but that's how I would have done it. And I, I just think they just played into their hands a little bit. Yeah, it's because, like, the reason why they were struggling to get to the edges is because they weren't winning the contact. Yeah. So they were getting a slow play of the ball. So they'd throw that long pass to potentially go there and they were getting jammed. Like, I actually saw, I think Dylan Brown got jammed probably at least two or three times. And it was just clear he landed right on him as soon as he got the ball. Whereas, like, if you win that contact initially, it gives you the, mm. the, the, I guess, the license to go, well, if we've won this contact and it's quick play the ball, there's no way that that edge defence has been able to get back and then back up in their face again. It, like, in saying all that, this is really easy to say, really easy to say. Um, when you're out there, it's all happening, you're under the pump, I, I, I really think the Eels' performance was a reflection of the Penrith Panthers' performance rather than a reflection of them playing poorly. I really think that we saw one of the great, at least in the first half, we saw one of the great performances. Because, like, what, they went in 18 nil up? Yep. So they scored, like, 10 points in the second half. So second half was actually 12-10 yeah. to, the Pan- to the Eels. Yep. Um, and so that's why I just believe we saw one of the great first halves all time. You mentioned... Um Isaiah Papaliti then, like, he's an edge back rower. And we spoke about it in the show yesterday about how they'd go at him and try and make him do a heap of work. He made 48 tackles and he missed mm. 11. So that was almost 60 contacts. Yeah. And that, that's Paris what I was... forced him was into. It, was it yesterday we were talking about it? Or was it early in the week? One of the two. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I was talking about. I wonder if they watched Tamalolo get a bit of success over Papaliti. Yeah. Um, and said, look, let's tie this bloke out because we don't want him fresh coming at us. And it's kind of what you want to do to kick out. You want kick out to get fatigued as well. And he, he, what, he made, what, 40 whatever tackles? He missed 10, didn't he? Missed 11. 40, 80 made, 11 he 11 missed. And Sean missed. Lane made 35. So between them, they made 80 tackles, the two-edge back rollers. Yeah, like, well, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would assume they've never got close to that nah. this year. I mean, that's a lot of efforts. 48 oh, for an edge. Fucking crazy. How many did they make? That 30? Missed three? Uh, Dylan Brown. Who, Dylan uh, Brown. I think he made about thirty missed three, which is pretty good. Cool. Just shit itself. Uh, okay. Yeah, oh, they're they're announcing the Australian squad, aren't they? Yeah, I've got the team here. If you want it, <coughs> just got announced. Then can you put, edit something? Yeah, up I'm, half, I'm halfway through. Yeah. Uh, Carr, Campbell, Gillard, Burton, Carrigan, Cherry Evans, Cleary, Collins, Cotter, Crichton, Tino, um, Campbell Graham, Harry Grant, Val, Benny Hunt, Liam Martin, Latrell. Munster, Cam Murray, vice-captain, Nanai, Tulangi, Tedesco, captain, Jake Javoyevich, Jack Wyden, Isaiah Yo, co-vice-captain, and then uh, Dylan Edwards, Nico Hines, and Damian Cook are all on standby. Wow. So Edwards, Edwards on standby? It. Yeah. So Edwards is on standby? Edwards, Hines, Cook stand- on standby. Wow. So Lane and Young didn't make it. In saying that, did I you message through that so I can see? Yeah, it? yeah. there's a few nat like. Did you say Murray Tolangi's in it? Yeah, yeah. I'm just waiting because the website's down. I'm just waiting for the official official list. I listened to it and typed. Okay. Um, yeah. 
Wow, that's interesting. It'll be minutes. It'll be minutes away. So, so they're probably going down the route of they think Latrell will play fullback if Teddy gets injured. I think so. Oh, actually, well, Edwards on standby. Does that mean he goes with them? I don't think so. I think it'll come down to who says they're going to play for the Kangaroos and injury tests and everything over the next week or so. Yeah, Tuolangi in the squad. Yep. Gee. Surely he was. I think he was named in the Samoan squad as well. So I'm not. Has he said he's going to play for the Kangaroos yet? No, not, sure. not sure. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Wow. Corey Oates, not, not they a... They wouldn't have picked him if he hadn't made it. Like, yeah, Mel Meninga's pretty tight. Yeah, he would have called him. Mate, massive congratulations. What a year from Tuolangi. Fuck. Incredible. What about those bunnies? Cam Murray's 24 years old and the vice captain of the Kangaroos. Crazy. Crazy. Campbell um, Graham as well. How fucking good. So yeah, hook, Campbell hookers, Graham, that's hookers, mad. Harry, Harry Grant obviously in there. Like Benny cookie, cookies on standby, so Harry Grant, Benny Hunt, yep. cookies. Missed Sorry, out. Was, was, was Appy in it or not? K K K. No, no Appy. Wow. So is he? So he's gone with two hookers. Wow. You must think that like maybe Whiten could slot in there, maybe if on a pinch, because one goes down, you can't expect him to play eighty, can you? Benny Hunt and. Is Appy on the standby or is he not on there at all? Is he playing with Fiji or something? Or? Yeah. That's surprising. Yeah, still waiting for the official one yeah, to come through. Okay. But yeah. Fuck. Um, all right. Well, we'll get to the, uh, the, the, the team announcement when we've got the full list. Uh, back to the, the game. Back with the Eels. Um, yeah, like, look. It's just tough. Yeah, okay. They completed at 70%, so you could say that. Um, you could say that, well, they could have completed higher, but even when they were over 80, they were still losing substantially. So I don't, I don't think that was the, the issue. Um, I, don't know, I don't know what to really look at because I just think they were squeezed out of it. You know, maybe, maybe Mitchell Moses could have found a way to change the game up, but when you've got no momentum, what is he supposed to do? What is he supposed to do? Yeah, I mean, like, like we spoke yesterday about trying to make Penrith uncomfortable and, you know, offloading the ball and everything. And they didn't have any fucking ball to work with. They had nothing to work with. And, like, I I saw a lot of people bagging Dill Brown on social media about, you know, that kick that he put in for Mitch Moses. Like, I like that kick. I love it. You have to do something different against this team. Like, it's heaps easy to say in hindsight, oh, stupid fucking play. But he he tackled him like five metres from the line. Yeah, I mean, you turned the ball over on the try line. Like, I I don't understand what what the issue was. It was a metre away from scoring a try. That's ridiculous. And if he scores off that... Dill Brown's a genius. Yeah. All of a sudden, well, at the at the worst, at the worst, he has he, they've got him tackled five meters off the line. At the literal worst, it's a it was a it was a, I thought it was a fantastic kick executed perfectly, nearly like so. That's bizarre. Um, so, but outside of that, like okay, Sivo, I, I will say Sivo shouldn't have dropped that ball. Got to score them. Got to score them because I mean then would have been like what eighteen six or maybe eighteen mm-hmm. six. Then they could have maybe got back into it. But I, I, I look at that eel side and I go, did anyone play really that poorly? Like, I think there was an error from Wonga Blake coming off his end. But look, Wonga Blake's got at least an error in him, so you probably have to expect that from from the eels. I, I don't. There's no player I look at and go, mate, you really had a Barry Crocker. I, I really don't. Now, does it mean that you know were they at ten out of ten performances for what they're doing? No, no, that's not saying that at all. But I just think as a unit, they were up against just a much better unit. Like, it's there's nothing. Put it this way: I don't think if the Eels played ten out of ten, they would have be, they still wouldn't have beaten the Panthers. Which is interesting, because before the game, I thought that if Eels played ten out of ten and the Panthers played as good as they have been playing, 
then the Panthers, uh, the Eels could get the win. But I think this was truly the first game we've seen the last three years where the Panthers, everything they possibly could go right and do well for them, went right and did well for them. Like their attack and defence completely clicked all in one. I think it was 73 more tackles Parramatta in the first half. That's fucking crazy. Like that's ridiculous. So many. You even look at... I mean, four of the five tries were to outside backs. The other one was the grubber in the, the behind the line for Scotty Sorensen. Oh, that's gut. Yeah, I will say that was an error from Gutho for sure. And I'm mean, yeah, touching on that one now. Oh, man, I sound like a broken record, but yeah, I just, one. it's just every week these soft tries because yep. the fullback's in the line. And I don't know we spoke to him about the alternative to it and having the extra defender in the line, but. Honestly, Penrith scored three tries off it last week against the Bunnies and then another one in the grand final that was just so easy. Mm. And, uh, and then they nearly scored another one, which to, to his credit, um, Gutho got there, but there was the, the one that Blake went on kick out. There was one where Jerome Luai nearly could have easily scored and Gutho did get there. Yep. Um, just there's got to be another way around this. It's I, <laughs> so soft. Yeah, I think that the Gutho one was a pure error because I don't think he realised it was fifth. Mm. I think he... Yeah, that was just an error by Gutho, and I'm sure he'll look back on that and go, like, I don't know for, for the life of me why he was going on a short side mm. on the fifth tackle. Because it was a fifth tackle, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure. Mate, uh, even if it wasn't, I don't think you can afford to do yeah, it Yeah, go on short team. side. I, I, yeah, we spoke about this last week, Tim and Guru. Like, I think you're getting too greedy putting them in at A. I think you, okay. cop, you cop that. Teams are becoming – there's too much video. There's too much – they're going to pick it out and just nail it. There's a reason why the Penrith Panthers were doing these tiny short grubbers in behind. They weren't grubbering into the end goal. They were literally grubbering at like two metres behind the play, which is so fucking smart. So you can't – honestly, I even though it was an error from Gutho, I reckon even if he was there, he wouldn't have made it. Mm. I reckon it was that pin perfect. He, now, he may have made the tackle on Sorensen and somehow held mm. him up, but – so yeah, that that was an error, and so that's that's where the Penrith Panthers beat you though. Like you, you just make these tiny errors that are excusable, and you go, look, there's going to be errors in games, and they just fucking capitalise yeah, every then time. On the the Toto tries, the Charlie Staines tries, you sort of sitting there and you watch every time I see a try and think, oh, we've got to critically analyse this. Who's at fault? And no one was really at fault. They were just. Mm. They did all the hard yards through the middle, quick play the balls, Eels were gassed, and they just stripped them. And there was no individual doing anything wrong. Mm. It was just nearly perfect footy from Penrith. The only one that maybe a bit of an argument with was the, the first Stephen Crichton try. Even that, I'm looking at it going, Sean Lane was the man who needed to be there, but he just sort of got caught up in or in around the defence. Uh, the lead runner might have been Liam Martin or someone in that one. And you're going... Oh yes, it's his gap, but maybe they could have turned turned in and made the tackle. But he just got caught up in a bit of an unlucky situation. There weren't a lot of individuals who did things wrong for mm. these tries. It was just Penrith being Penrith. That was such a smart try from Cleary because they know that Cleary opposition teams are trying to jam Cleary, so they know that 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 edge back rower is not going to be able to help himself. He's going to want to put hands on him because his job is to make him uncomfortable. So as soon as that happens, Cleary knows there's going to be a little bit of space internally. And so I agree, no one did anything wrong, but that required Nia Cora to do something great. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it wasn't wrong that he wasn't there, but it required a big play where, you go, where we were going, what a, what a trail from Nia Cora. Like he was ages away, but he just kept working from the inside. Because if you watch it again, he's just jogging. Yeah. And then as soon as he sees it happen, he starts running. I reckon from the get-go, if he was going, he probably makes that tackle. But it's more a case of Cleary 
understanding where space is being created by players around him movement. They created that space by dragging across Sean Lane, knowing Dylan Brown would make the right decision rather than the wrong decision. Then there's going to be a metre space, no matter what, that he's going to be able to get through Crichton. So it just... What they did with those plays, that's what happens at training, where everything looks great, looks really easy. You're at training and all these holes are opening up and it's like, fuck yeah, how good are these plays? You get in a game and it fucking, you're getting jammed. Um, and so they just nailed it on the big stage, though. They, they nailed it perfectly. Mate, there was moments there where Jerome looked, Jerome Lewis, like he looked like he was playing at lunchtime. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was, jumping he was around. bouncing around yeah. and jumping and he was just all over the place. So. I thought that um, Brian Toto as well, like... One of the best wing performances I've seen in a grand final. Oh, God. A winger's never won the Clive Churchill. If he didn't win it last night, no one's ever going to. Yeah, it was honestly... I don't know how anyone's yeah, ever going to get close to it. Like, he... if Put it this way, I had Edwards winning, but if Toto wins, I wouldn't have been that I angry. I both posts ready to go. Yeah, so did I. So like, did I. Because, you know, obviously, with these Clive Churchills, it can go anywhere sometimes, yeah. but... I, t- I tipped Tyler at 51 bucks at the show yesterday. So, jeez, I was hoping he was going to get oh, it. Oh, <laughs> no. But you, you have a look at Brian Toto, this final series, and I like, I don't know. I, I, I think we become used to what he's done over the last few years. We don't appreciate it. This final series, he's averaged 267 run metres. Oh, my God. 267. The Origin series, he averaged 210. Like, he's doing stuff that we haven't seen anyone do before in my opinion you know like just just to run you through some numbers so he's played four years right over his four-year career he's averaging 201 run meters per season if you remember back a couple of years ago blake ferguson had that season on the wing for the roosters where we just couldn't believe what he was doing he averaged 200 and that was his peak Mm. career season yeah you have a look at other guys that we talk about as, you know, the best wingers coming out of their own end. Ferguson, his best two seasons, 200 metres and 180. Daniel Tupu, 180, 181. Mansour, 181, 175. Ken Mamalo, 190, 187. Brian Toto's <coughs> career average is better than all these guys' peak seasons. That's fucking Jesus. wild. Like, it's fucking unbelievable. And, like, you have a look at over their careers, you know, like... Um, Daniel Tupu, who, you know, up until Brian Toe, I thought he was one of the best guys I've ever seen coming out of his end. Mm. Over a whole career, he averages 143 metres. And it's been a longer career, don't get me wrong. But when you also go and have a look, and I went through all the numbers yesterday of these guys, their entire careers, their best years for all of them, as far as running metres, it tends to be their fifth, sixth and seventh year. Toe's in his fourth, and he's (laughs) averaging 200. That is wild. He just did 300 in a grand final. Yeah. What about he got 299? Give him the 300. Give him the 300. <laughs> no one is going to question that extra meter. Yeah, give him the 300. I'm when, sure you could find it in all the runs. And when the game was at its toughest, he ran for 170 in the first half, I think it was. Do, do we anyone have any – I was trying to find it last night. Can we get um, first half stats for tackled in opposition half? Because Parramatta, I think they had about two sets in penalty yeah. halves. It was incredible. Yeah, it I just it was that contact. They just lost the contact every single time. They could not, like even from the from the kickoff, they just could not win the field position battle. Like every set, Penrith were just creeping a little bit closer, a little bit closer. And you you don't notice like I mean some I mean a lot of people may notice it, but you've got to watch the the game quite cl- closely to realize what's actually happening here. It, when they say it's the grind, a lot of what what's the grind? The grind is we are willing to get absolutely bashed for an extra five meters to finish an extra five meters further the mm. next set. 
Then the next set we finish, and, and before we know it, our attacking set is going in. But by the time, as a fan, you're watching it and they get to their attacking set, you've forgotten. They've just spent 20 minutes getting absolutely fucking belted for that extra little inch oh. to get them towards the, the goal try, the try line. Last night was like a game of um, um, force and backs. You could just see every set. Yeah. Parramatta mm. was just going back an extra three or four metres. Uh, they were incredible, Penrith. I mean... It's like a, a few unsung heroes. Like I thought Jamin Salmon, when he came on the field, as a brief stint. He made an ankle tap on Clint Gutherson, then he threw it out the back, and Salmon won the scramble on the ball yep. to get to it. <coughs> Spencer Lenu, he played 21 Lino. minutes. Oh, my God. He, was he ran for 100 metres and 50 post-contact. He was he was unstoppable. They couldn't they couldn't get him to the ground. It was... Um, Sorensen, fuck. He's so good right off the bench. Their bench is just outrageous. Like... Sorensen and, and Leno, surely they're starting other clubs. Like, it's just because they're at the Panthers, they're not starting. I was so I was playing a bit of footy down uh, for, for West in Wollongong a few years back now, maybe know, four or five years. And I was training one day, it's pre season. There's this bloke on the opposite side. He was, you know, training with the good side. I was on the has, I was going to say has beens, but never been. <laughs> I was just sitting on the other side of the air, doing a bit of a pose sort of stuff. And I'm bloody hell, this bloke can move well. He goes, right, so thing. Anyway. Sort of disappeared before round one. I was like, oh, don't know where he's gone. And it turned out he'd gone up to, to the Mounties and he was um, got a call up to play with them in New South Wales Cup. And, you know, they at the time were the, the feeder side of the Raiders. And I was sitting at my brother's place in Canberra one day and I'm in the living room watching a bit of TV and he had a new roommate. And I'm sitting there looking at him and he's looking at me and going, where do I know you from? Like, I've seen this boat before. And he goes, oh, mate, Scott, nice to meet you. What's your last name? Sorensen. I'm like... I was training with you two months ago. Now you he was in the Raiders top thirty about three months later. Far out. So I, I think he played maybe with the Sharks before, but went mm. off course a little bit um, mm. for a time. <coughs> ended up, I said, playing with West in Wollongong, and then a few months later, obviously the Mountie spotted him, yep. which then Ricky Stewart spotted him. Before you know it, he was coming off the bench for the Raiders, and going, "Holy shit, that was a quick rise." Far out, incredible, absolutely incredible. What a he's so good off the bench. He's so good off the bench. Um, Outside of that, like, I mean, Cleary was outstanding. Talk about clinical. You talk about, like, a clinician of just oh. relentless discipline with execution. That was Cleary. Like, those little grubbers, every single kick was landing where it needed to be. Like, I can't, I'm trying to think maybe one pass went a little bit back behind Leota. And outside of that, I can't think of a fucking <laughs> anything he did wrong. Um and mate, I remember when he threw that pass being incredibly disappointed with him. Yeah, it's like, oh, that's the theory. standard he set. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck was that? What are you doing? Um, so, look, I'm trying to talk about more for the Eels, but I, it's hard. Like, what is there to talk? They just, unfortunately, look, I'm happy. For, what I am really stoked for the Eels is that they scored those two tries. I would have been devastated mm. for those boys if they went in nil, 28 nil. Would have been tough. It, it wouldn't have reflected it their effort that night because I don't think anyone can sit here and say the boy they didn't have a red hot crack like they they turned up to play a grand final of the Eels in my opinion they were just thoroughly outplayed um outside of that I just there's not really much else I can say I, I think that their game plan their tactics a few of their decisions just weren't on the same level as Penrith and there's nothing you mentioned him earlier Kempi but um I thought Ryan Madison was quite good yeah. like he was Pretty well the only forward uh, for... Oh, I shouldn't say only forward. There are a few people that had their moments, their eye pups or not. But Maddo just looked dangerous with his ball playing throughout the ruck. He had some really... Talk about those hard runs in behind the ruck. He had a few real good ones there where he got quick play of the balls where it seemed near impossible for an English player to get a quick play of the ball. Um, Junior Borlo, while I think his first um, 
period on the field wasn't his best, obviously. Again, wasn't given much of a chance. His second period, Maddo and Bolo linked up a lot, just ball playing, and they were getting really quick play balls and looked dangerous. And unfortunately, it was too little too late by that stage. But if you're looking for shining lights, they, I thought Maddo had a good game. Maddo was outstanding. The offloads he did. Yeah. Fucking so good. What are we, Parramatta, they're going to lose. Reed Marnie, they're going to lose Isaiah Papali'i. I've sort of been worried all year that, you know, that's going to be such a big loss. It's really going to hurt them. But I now look at this side and I think that, obviously, Dill Brown, Mitch Moses, Gutho, like, I think these guys will take a lot from this season as well. I think mm. they've sort of overcome that hurdle that, personally, I didn't think they'd be able to get over. Mm. I've just been able to play good footy in big games. I thought last week they were very good and... You know, I, I just think they'll take a lot of confidence from last night. Does that that sort of outweigh the guys they've lost, do you think? Like, oh, it's a tough look, one. Like 2001, they make the grand final. They don't make it again for another eight years. 2009, mm. they make it. They don't make it for another, was it 12, 13 years, whatever mm. it might be. How do you reckon they'll go next year? It's, it could it's, go. One yeah, it could, honestly, it could really go either way. It could. They, they could lose Papali'i. They could lose Neokore. They could lose Kofusi. What? I don't know with yields. I like it would be very deflating because, you, you, unfortunately, I look at that Penrith side and I go, who beats them? Who beats mm. them at their best? Like whereas, like for example, even when the Storm were super dominant, I don't think we were sitting there saying they were this far ahead mm. of the next best. We were sitting there going, look, the Storm, you know, they can grind you out of games and they're going to be very disciplined. But like obviously, the Sharkies came and beat them. In uh, what 2017, 16. Sorry, sorry, 16. They won 17. So even when the storm were at their most dominant, I don't think they were this far ahead of the competition. But but even like I remember at the end of 2017, obviously the Roosters won in 2018. Looking at that squad, going fuck, this is a team that can beat them. Like, mate, I, I don't know if there's a team in this competition. I, I think next year it's a little bit different with Penrith because they're losing Appy, and it's going to depend how they handle that. Yeah. But like they're just, I mean, it like you'd be brave to say that they won't be able to handle that because everyone else that they've ever lost, they've replaced them with seemingly the next best in that position Yeah, in the game. Absolutely incredible. Seriously. Um, but, yeah, just back on Matto real quick. I, I thought off the bench and his offloads, that's when the Eels look different. And so it's tough. Like, do you do you think it was a mistake not starting him? Like, or do you think he needs to bring that impact off the bench? And it's all hindsight, of course. It's easy to say in hindsight. No, I personally wouldn't say it's a mistake. Um, I think in hindsight it's easy to say that, but it's worked for them so well the entire season. Um, I think they just got blown off the park early and there's only so much that matter. If Matto was on the field at the start, do you think it would have changed much? I'm not sure if it would have, to be honest with you. Well, uh, the only thing I'm thinking of is like maybe he could have thrown a, an offload or two that could have broken things open from just to give him some reprieve from the pressure that they were under in that first 20. But... There's no – all the information we had before the game was bring him off the bench. So we've got new information now. We didn't know the Penrith Panthers were going to come out and play fucking incredible. And You know what I mean? We, no one expected Penrith to be this good. Yep. No one expected him to be this good. And so I can't call it a mistake because it's it's we didn't have that information. We just didn't. Whereas now we know, oh, okay, maybe we did need to – maybe the Eels did need to just have the best 13 on the field – from the first 20 to give them a chance to be into the game. Um, anything else from Eels at all, guys? Yeah, I mean, just one positive. I spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, but they've signed Jermaine Hopgood for next season. Uh, he got man of the match yesterday in the New South Wales Cup Grand Final, so that's yeah. definitely a big positive for them. 
Yeah, you, you, you look at their losses for next year. Nair Kore, Papali'i, Kafusi, Reid Marnie, Ray Stone, Tom Opachik, David Hollis, Hayes Perham. It's a fair whack of troops to lose heading into next season. So it's going to be a big test. I, I guess now when you look at, you know, Brad Arthur and him over the next few years, like we were sitting there yesterday going, oh, you know, he's got to be safe for the next couple of years. I mean... Fuck, it's going to be a worry if they do go backwards next year and we get to the end of the next season. I think there'll be people in the media that will take the argument, well, you got to a grand final this year, last year. Mm. What's happened now sort of thing? Like, I, I hope not, but I wouldn't be surprised if he is under pressure again pretty soon. Yep. Just got some breaking news. <laughs> uh, James Fujiharis. This was at the, at the Penrith <laughs> fans. Two Penrith fans. At their grand final celebrations. I just want to say Para are our sons. Right here, right now. That's just a fact. As I said last night, we are the Penrith we are the Penrith greatest team ever. <laughs> Holy Jeez. shit. Um I love it. I love it. If I was a Para Eels fan, it, I'd be filthy. But I'm not. I'm a I'm a <laughs> I mean, to be honest, even if he said that about the Broncos, I would probably laugh. Yeah. Because it's like part of footy. You know, if you don't want him to say it, change it when you play him next time. Um, yeah, Hopgood didn't he? Did he win man of the match? Oh no, Sonny Luke did. In the, no, Hopgood got it. Hopgood got it. So that's a good thing for the, for the Eels. Sonny Luke played very well as well. He's probably unlucky not to get it too. But yeah, Hopgood got it there. So he'll, I think he'll come into your forward pack somewhere. Josh Hodgson will obviously arrive as well, coming off an injury. So it'll be interesting to see how Hodgson goes there. Pretty big shoes to fill in Reed Marnie, but. I imagine they would have got Hodgson for a lot less than Reed Marnie. So I think value-wise, I think it'll be a nice little get there. Um, but yeah, he's obviously a pretty – you can talk more about it, but I've always thought Hodgson's a pretty dominant nine, so it'll be interesting to see how he goes with those halves. Hodjo is a gun. We all know that. He, particularly at his age coming off an ACL, he just needs to take a back seat at Parramatta. Mm. Uh, now, he's similar enough in ways to Reed Marnie in that he has wonderful service, which is what Parramatta need mm. because ball movement is one of their biggest assets, particularly through the middle, and he will provide that and they won't take a back seat in terms of service. Um, he does tend to overplay his hand at times and get a little bit too excited, but um, at the same time, he's played with you know some lesser names around him at the Raiders and he had to take a, a bigger role in attack. At Parramatta, with these blokes around him, he's a very smart footballer, Hojo. He knows what's going on. So he'll go, you know what? He's crafty around the ruck. You know, he'll draw in markers like, like Marnie can do and he'll just give early ball to, to Brown and, and Mitchie Moses and it, it very handy. And I hope he stays fit for the entire season. And when we have seen Hodgson at his very best, <laughs> I don't think it was he was the fastest hooker or anything like that. It's, you know, when he was competing with Cameron Smith, you know, for a brief 18-month period. No, I don't even know. Maybe fucking six months, seriously. Oh, for sure. But, like, I think he's the only guy that's ever got close to the level of Cameron Smith at the same time as Cameron Smith has been playing. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of felt like that was a bit of media hype. But I can understand why. Yeah, I could. Yeah, I respect it. I respect the opinion. Yeah, I personally think he was almost at that level for a brief period. Yeah. But... I like like he's obviously got a lot between the ears, Josh yeah. Hodgson. Like he's 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 a very good footballer. So hopefully they can keep him on the field because that's the other thing. If he's out, I don't know who else have they got at hooker. Is, is Mitch Rain at the club still? No, I don't think so. No? I don't think so. Yes, yeah, so that'll be. A, like Maybe. They've obviously lost Ray Stone as well, <laughs> so uh, depth could be really tested there. Yeah, Eels are in a very interesting position going forward because 
it, again, it could really go either way. This could like really deflate them, or it could light a fire up on them and they set the stands. What do you got, Matty? They do have rain there, Damage according to this. Oh, is there? Okay, okay, interesting. And we're sitting here saying, geez, Reid Marnie will be a big loss. Yes, he will, but as we just touched on how good a footballer Hodjo is, and yeah, we forgot about that because he's had one season off with an ACL injury, so yep. he could come in and kill it and go, this has just been a masterstroke. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, Hodgson, I, I, I always had him around like probably second or third best hooker in the comp. Mm. Um, I, I felt sometimes with the Raiders that he would overplay his hand a little bit. And I also think in defence he was a bit – he could miss some tackles in defence. If I recall correctly, apologies if I'm wrong, and he was a really good – you would know more. Was he a really good defensive hooker? Hodjo? Yeah. Yeah, good, good defensive uh, okay. hooker. I don't know why I'm thinking – But I agree with you on the overplaying his hand sometimes. Horribly. When the, mate, it felt like it was the Josh Hodgson show sometimes oh. at the Canberra Raiders. So – with a half like Mitch Moses and Dill Brown, it obviously can't be that way. Because I remember there was a period at the Raiders where Sticky started playing Starling, I think, over Hodgson <clears throat> because Whiten was just getting no rub of the green and, like, Whiten's just like, what's the point of having me here? It, it, was, a real, it was a real downside to Hodjo's game, just getting – because he, he's such a creative genius out of hooker, he just got a bit too excited at times and he'd just go short sides when it wasn't on and he'd, he'd take over the kicking when it wasn't his time to do it. Um, so what happened was, particularly the year before he got injured, obviously this season, he, uh, Hodjo was starting the game at hooker for 20 <coughs> and then he'd moved to lock mm. and become more of that ball-playing lock, which was super effective. Starlord would come on and play sort of the last 50 of the game and it was so effective for the Raiders. Yep. Um, so, yeah, be. Yeah, and once again, you know, he's a guy coming to Parramatta. You look at the guys that have come to Parramatta over the last few years, and Brad Arthur's got the very best out of them. Yeah, your Sean sure. Lanes, your Isaiah Papali'i's. Like, I know we're talking about a lot, but what? Like, you still have to pinch yourself to remind yourself where Papali'i came from. Mm. Sean Lane was a journeyman that no one wanted a couple of years mm. ago. Yeah, Bulldogs, New Zealand. <coughs> he was a seagull. I think for a I think bit, Manly. Like, he went really good in his last year at Manly. But if I recall correctly, Curtis Sirenen, I think, was injured that year and that's why he had the spot. Mm. And I think Manly, like, said along the lines of, like, your second or third in line. So yeah. I think they did want to keep him, but it was he was, like, not yeah. starting. Has he made that kangaroo squad? No. Line? no. No, I don't think so. But like, if he did make it, I wouldn't have been shocked in the slightest. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, so Hodgson, for me, it's, it's, it's a really delicate situation because – and I'm not saying this will happen, but let's say he does go there and he wants to be the dominant nine. Mitchell Moses and Dylan Brown are both off contract. It could, it could really affect, like, you know, let's say you're Mitchell Moses, you're like, I don't want to fucking, like, I'm the dominant guy or, or whatever. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays. Look, I think Hodgson at his age and his career, I think he may understand that even if, again, we all agree, this guy is one of the best hookers in the comp on his day. There's no denying that at all. But I think regardless of how good he is, that is Mitch Mosel's team. And so he's probably just going to have to just be serviced for a while until he finds and his balance of knowing when is right or wrong. I mean, look how long it took Dylan Brown to come out of his shell mm. with Moses. Mm. Matter of fact, look how long it took Moses to trust Dill. <coughs> and so I think that's going to be an interesting... Now, Moses has matured massively, and he has every right to say this is my team. Um, so it is going to be interesting to see that dynamic. I, I mean, look, Hodgson sounds like a legend of a bloke, so I think he, he'll be out of... Take a little he'll bit know. of a step back. He'll, yeah, know, mate. he'll go in there. He'll know his role. He'll be 33 by the time the season rolls around. He's, he's ageing, coming off an ACL. He'll play a vital role in that side. And his creativity around the ruck will be outstanding from his service. But 
he'll know his role and that's not to be the dominant attacker in that sport. Yeah, yeah. Do you have to, sorry, go. I was just going to say, again, the, the only question, I guess, for him is it's not his skill set. It's not his potential at all. Like we all know, it'll just be his body, I think. Yeah, and I think that if he wasn't coming off the ACL, I wouldn't be anywhere near as worried as I am. But yeah. 33 coming off an ACL, like <coughs> it is what it is. You've got to talk about it. You've got to be a little bit worried about it. Do they have to carry, they'd have to carry another hooker on the bench? Do we? I think they would have to. Like that, that's one area I thought the Eels this year, they just didn't have a real 14 that mm. like just was a pure, mm. good, impact 14 player i think that that's something they could maybe look towards because I, I can't see him playing 80 minutes at 33 i know i mean i know cam smith did it till he was like 37 but he i don't think he ever did his acl and he's with, the exception, exception. Though, we're yeah. not talking about the rule here um the, the exciting thing for the eels though is let's say you get a hodgson playing close to his best footy that may be a better as good at least as good spine as reed marnie <sighs> Yeah, so that's exciting yeah. for the Eels and for Hodgson as well. I don't know if they've got someone else in the squad that I'm not aware of, but geez, it would be good to see them go out and grab a 14 in this offseason, mm. even if it was like, I don't know, like a Jake Granville maybe. Could Hopgood like. play 14? I don't think so. Yeah, okay. No, I don't think you could chuck him in at nine. Maybe you could, but I mean, you're, you're taking a guy that's really good at these things and making him do this. Yeah. I just don't think. And you've got a spot to fill with Papali'i. I think either he will go to 13 and Maddo to the edge or the other way around, whichever yep. way they choose. But <coughs> it'd be good to see them go out and get a 14 that they could maybe chuck on the bench because, you know, if, if I've got Hodgson at nine, I, I can't run with Jacob Arthur at 14. Yeah, that's going to be interesting how they balance that because he's kind of all he's, – he's almost got mm. that spot now. Yeah. Um, Is there anyone in there? I'm not really. It's not really. Rain, I mean, it? Yeah, like Ray Stone's going to the Dolphins, isn't he? Yeah. Mm. He can play a bit of hooker. Um, pretty old just rain there, so – uh, there might be a junior coming through or something. They mm. like. I'm mm. not too sure. Uh, now, just uh, we will talk about with the Eels, that obstruction trial was a fucking obstruction. Oh, like, yeah. the biggest obstruction in the history of mankind. Like, we've seen some dodgy ones get called up, and then the one that is, like, so clearly an obstruction, it's just... It's... How? I don't understand. How? How do we look at that on a video and think Mitchell Moses had any choice? His vision was, like... Inside, as the ball left the inside hands, kick-out was literally on him. And, like, people go, oh, he made the choice. Making the choice is like coming in to make the tackle. Even if he stood still, he would have been bowled over. He was just – there was a player there. He put his hands out. Like, such a bad call. And, and I like, it's not good for para fans, but what is good for the game is the fact that Penrith were so clearly the better side. It didn't affect the result. But – and you've got to look at that and, and the refs have got to look at that and go, that was shocking. That was a shocker. If the game was in the balance at that stage, like it would have been, you know, every bit as bad as the six again Raiders yeah. one. Like it would have gone down in rugby league infamy, yeah. folklore uh, as a result because it was so wrong. It was so... Like, how many stupid ones have we pulled up where it's like, no way that's an obstruction. Mm. No way. And then one that everyone agrees... That is a clear-cut obstruction. Outside shoulder, he hits him before he even can see what's happening, and then they, oh. they go, one replay, boom, try. It just, it just blows my mind. Um, you know, and I'm sure there'll be non-Eels fans out there going, well, they got a forward pass last week, but two bad calls don't make a right mm. call. You know, we, which, that was a wrong call last week with the forward pass. It's a wrong call this week, um, this week in regards to the, the obstruction. Um, anyway, frustrating. Especially like the forward pass one, like I think it was forward, but it wasn't as forward as I thought originally. And they can't really call it on a video replay anyway. Mm. Whereas that one, it was blatant. Yeah. I just, 
I don't know. Now, now there's been chat about bringing in forward pass technology. Oh, sometimes I feel like, have we ever had this many issues with forward passes? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I, don't, I can't recall a season where we've had this many forward passes and gone. Because like, there's isn't even an argument with the try. I think the kickout try that it was a forward pass. I don't want to slow the game down anymore. And that's the thing. If we bring it, you know, everyone wants forward pass technology until it's here and every try takes another two minutes to mm. go because we're drawing lines and the fucking screens and which yeah. it'll take forever. And that's what we hate about rugby league when there's so many stoppages. So I don't know. I, I think that I think forward passes, there's going to be close ones. And I unfortunately think it's part of our game. Yeah. But like, you know, we've got two touchies there. Like just yeah. nail it. Eventually the game will be run by robots because we're just, we, we, I think that like the more we move into technology, and I think technology is good. I don't want to get rid of all of it. I think the more refs just go, I'm just going to fucking, I'm just going to wipe my hands of it, put it up to the video ref or whatever, so that I don't have to say, make this tough call. Which maybe it's the right thing. Maybe it's improving the correct calls. But I, I, I think know. Guru's right. It, like and you both, like they will go upstairs for four passes every time just to oh. be safe. And it'll slow it up way too much. So for the sake of the occasional forward pass uh, being an incorrect call with refs every which way looking at it, I'm happy to cop a few bad ones yeah. if it means not slowing down our game that much more. But if I'm a referee, I'm sending everything upstairs because I know what's going to happen. If it, if people at home get to sit and watch five yeah. replays and watch it in slow motion, they decide it's forward, the NRL is going to come out on Monday, bend over and say, NRL's... The referees, they fucked it up. Yeah. We got to watch it in slow motion instead of at real time yeah. and we've decided he made a mistake. Yeah. I, I'll cop the forward passes. It's the, like, clear obstructions on a video replay mm. where I'm going, uh, hang on a sec here. Like, that, we can all see it. You've got an opportunity to turn, overturn the try. Um, okay, so uh, in regards to – I mean, I think we've kind of pretty much spoken about it and everything. Like, the Penrith Panthers were just way better and – Every single player played outstanding. I thought Tungwell was great. I thought Staines was great. Um, Hasn't Staines come a long way? Good yeah. on him. Like I, I Honestly, 18 months ago, I wouldn't have trusted him in round one coming out of his own end. I think he's just improved out of sight. He might not be at the Brian Toto levels, but he used to be a guy that you could, you could bend back and send back every single time. He's just not anymore. I think it's been really impressive to see how he's improved over the last year. He used to just be the fastest guy on the field, and that yeah. was it. He's added so much more to his game. Um, I mean, we'll talk quickly. Dylan Edwards wins Clive Churchill. Is there a more deserving bloke? Is there a more deserving bloke? I was saying to Matty before, like, when he got it, like, I almost felt emotional. Mm. Like, just seeing, like, a guy that... You know, and I, I thought I'd be coming in here and saying I thought he'd never play for the Kangaroos. He still fucking might, might not. Unbelievable. I'm surprised he didn't make that squad. I mean, like, I, like if he hasn't made it the morning after he won the Clive Churchill Medal, I think there's a really good chance he never plays rep football. Yeah, because it's like, I wonder when the last time, if ever, the Dalian winner and the Clive Churchill winner didn't make the Kangaroos. Do you think Mal Meninga is sitting there going, okay, well, I've got Cam Munster who can play fullback. I've got Valentine Holmes that can play fullback. Um. I've got Latrell. 
Do you think that's what? Even Jackie Whiten. Jackie Whiten. Because like I think I, I think the one spot that you could have put Edwards in is probably the Regan Campbell Gillard one, and then relied on the fact that you would have you know more centers. I, I even just think it, like even if Mal maybe he's not the perfect guy to have there because he doesn't cover a heap of positions, but just to show other players that mm. you play well enough, you earn this. You and that, that's been the like I remember um, 2005 Grand Final. Scott Prince got man of the match. He was named in the Kangaroos. <clears throat> they didn't need him. Yeah, they did not need another well, halfback. What's in that crazy team. is the Dally M. And the Clive Churchill is not in the Australian oh, squad. It's crazy. Which is a bit surprising. And you quite often find that when you give these guys, like, like Craig Fitzgibbon, he made his kangaroos debut after he got man of the match in the O two grand final and he never left the team. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. not saying Edwards would have been that guy, but when you give these guys opportunities that deserve it, I don't know, I, I feel very hard done by. I, I, I think Dylan Edwards, Edwards deserved to be in that squad. Like the year that he has had and and like I mean we spoke about it only earlier in the year, but I think right now, like obviously Pappenhausen, we have to wait to see when he comes back. And I think Pappenhausen's almost a forgotten man now, unfortunately, the poor bloke been with the injury. But let's just say, you know, for some reason, Pappenhausen just isn't there. I've got to say Dylan Edwards is the next man up at fullback. I really do. I, I, don't, I don't think they play anyone else. If, if Adokar is injured, uh, sorry, if Teddy is injured next year, game one origin, I think they play Dylan Edwards. I'll say to these two before before you got here, in the history of the Clive Churchill medal since 1986, only four guys ever have got it that haven't played for the Kangaroos. Mm. One of them, Sam Burgess, obviously. Yep. The other three have been the last three years. Nath Cleary, Dillard, Edwards, Pappenhausen. And Cleary would have played. He would have. It wasn't a COVID. Yeah. But it's crazy that every other player on yeah. that list has played for the Kangaroos other than <coughs> Sam Burgess that couldn't. And so it's, it's really be, two because Cleary would have paid. Cleary played. would have, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, pa- Pappy and Edwards, I, I'd like to think that one of them will play for yeah. the Kangaroos. But if they never do... Crazy. It's Crazy. not going to be that shocking. Yeah. I hope they – I hope – I absolutely hope they do. Um, yeah, uh, so Dylan Edwards, really, really rewarding. Brian Tottle for me was number two. Number three, honestly, the third best player for me, it could have been given to 1-17 to 17 outside of those other two guys. I th- like, you could have had Cleary there. You could have had Liam Martin there. You could have had Isaiah Yo. I mean – it's just you could I would have, have had Leonu. Your boy Leota there, I think. Yeah, Leota. Huge, yeah. mate. Leota's first twenty minutes. Fisher Harris is is the star. He's he's the star of that forward pack. But I tell you what, the, it's almost like Fisher Harris is the big dog. He's the big front row. He's the alpha. He's the alpha. But I, I, sometimes I like it. Maybe Leota's like the undercover alpha. You know what I mean? Because he's the one snapping blokes, and and you don't hear a peep. And usually the bloke you don't hear a peep out is the scariest bloke. Um, and so, incredible. Leota and Fisher-Harris, what a front row pairing. And they, they really don't get the raps they deserve. They really don't. And like you, you, you look at the, you know, the four starting front rowers and if you put them like in a skill test sort of thing, the Parramatta boys would blow the Penrith Panthers front rowers mm. off the park. But when it comes to those alpha moments and just owning the really rough and tumble stuff, I mean... For me, it was a knockout victory. Knockout victory for the for the uh, and look, it's a mixture of the tough thing is 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 even every single one to seventeen, every single player, every time they ran the ball for the Penrith Panthers, won the contact. So it's impossible to to get any momentum. I, I mentioned before that Spencer Lenu, he played twenty one minutes. He ran for a hundred meters. Junior and Regan, they ran for one hundred and six and eighty four meters in that grand final. And I think, you know, I'm not bagging the Parramatta boys. I think credit to the Penrith Panthers. They just suffocated them out of it. Yeah. Every time they got the ball, they were exhausted. Yeah, it's just what an incredible performance. An absolutely incredible performance.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.